And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to Gold Mines. You already know what it is. This is the show where we get into the minds of beautiful people. And today will be no fucking different. If I'm cussing early, it's because I'm in a good mood. That was a fucking with a passion right there because today I get to talk to my brother, man. Somebody that I can honestly say I started with. It's only a few people that I was at the front door with before success, before the entry of life after fame, with fame, et cetera. There was a couple people that I had the pleasure of running to. And this guy, man, I've been able to see him grow and blossom into not just a phenomenal star that he has become and world-renowned athlete that he is, but the man that he is. And that's the thing that I'm most proud of. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Carmelo Anthony to Gold Mines. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is my set. Dude, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. And I'm excited to have you on because a lot of stuff that people don't know about you and my, like, relationship, right? And I think... It's a dope opportunity, of course, to touch on our beginning stages before the world of fame, before the world of success. I remember we was in Aruba, dude. That's a fact. We was in Aruba, and this is before you were going into the league. You were coming off, of course, a phenomenal high school career, a phenomenal college career, championship, et cetera. And I was in Aruba. I was doing a comedy show, right? This was Essence Festival. No, was it Essence? It wasn't Essence. It was, uh, was it Sinbad's thing? What was it? The I think jazz, it was the jazz. The jazz. It was a jazz. By the way, why were we there? Like, two young spirits. That uh, was my first vacation. It was my first fucking vacation. We met We met on our first vacation. Yeah, Both. but we, we went to the old shit by accident that had young people there. It was weird. It was that Sinbad show. Yeah, it was Sinbad. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It was Sinbad show. But we get there, man, and I meet him. I meet you. I meet your brother. I meet your, your, just your friends, your circle. And we did a great job of just aligning and having a good time. Not only that weekend, but then after. Remain friends. And then I got to see my guy go into the league and become a phenomenal superstar, right? What I want to do is talk about before, before basketball. Because we can get into basketball and talk about basketball. But I want to talk about before basketball, where you come from, Baltimore. That setting, that understanding that life is now about to change. I always want to know the feeling of the mindset that you had before receiving the money. You know it's about to come. And you don't know what's coming after that. What was your thought process before going into the league? This is Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. 
We return to Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. Before basketball, where you come from, Baltimore, that setting, that understanding that life is now about to change. I always want to know the feeling of the mindset that you had before receiving the money. You know it's about to come, and you don't know what's coming after that. What was your thought process before going into the league? Get there. Okay. Like at, and I, I say that to say, at, at that point, it was, I was, I would say probably 12 to 16 was when I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, basketball was, I played it, football, baseball, I played everything, but I wasn't really serious about nothing. It was just sports was seasonal. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to play, go back to the block, play, go back, play, go back. You just wanted to have fun and be a teenager. And it wasn't until I got to high school, my junior years, when I really started to take basketball serious. But prior to that, my freshman year in high school, I played JV. I quit. Not quit, but I stopped going to school after that because it was like, I didn't come here to play JV. Like, I don't, I don't care about this. And I wanted to be in the streets. I wanted to run the streets of Baltimore. So... Basketball wasn't really important to me at that point in time. Then my sophomore year came and I started losing friends. Started People started dying around me. It's just a whole bunch of things started to happen. Life started to happen. And I had to make a decision what I wanted to do. So basketball became that golden ticket. But I, even even still, I didn't really, it wasn't my way out because we don't, we don't hear that. The statistics yeah. says you're not making it, right? Yeah. It's one out of 400, 500 athletes is going to make the NBA. So when you... In those environments, when they constantly telling you that, telling you that, telling you that, you get programmed. I, I don't have, a, I don't have a shot. Did the hood ever apply the pressure to you to make it? Like, there's a certain point where you become the guy in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like when you grow up in the hood and you're from the streets. Like you said, there's only a couple. You can count the ones yeah. on one hand that have been able to make it and make it at a high level. But in doing that the hood kind of starts to lean on you and there's a level of protection around you because you're the guy. Yeah. So yeah, it was. So for me, I'm like the only one from West Baltimore, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody else, athletes, famous, but they come from East Baltimore. So for me, I was the only one holding down Murphy Holmes, West Baltimore when we go anywhere. So we had that respect already in the streets, Mm -hmm. you know? So me being the face of, of that area from a basketball standpoint, when we rolled, we rolled. We, we came the whole West Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really no pressure. For me, it was more like, oh, shit, I get to do this. I get to do this with my block, my neighborhood, mm-hmm. my family, my friends. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So the pressure started to build up once I became the number one player mm-hmm. in high school. Before mm-hmm. that, it wasn't no pressure. We're just moving. We're just having fun with this. Oh, this is... We we going over here playing. We going here playing. We walking around. We doing what we do, and we are who we are. But with the with the accolades, of course, that's what brings the pressure. I mean, you just brought up being number one. All right. Well, now let's fast forward. Right. You're number one. Number one. Number one high school player. The 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 recruiting game has now risen. Mm-hmm. Right. You're now in Syracuse. Okay. Let's go to the conversation attached to you at this point being the number one player in the country, right? Yeah. Like this is when the conversation of Brian was also, it was high. It was, a, it was a high level of talk with LeBron James, but then it was a high level of talk with Carmelo Anthony. And some would argue at this point, the Carmelo conversation was a lot larger, right? Yeah, and, because I was the, not to cut you off, but because I was the number one player in high school. So when you talk about pressure, I didn't really feel it from my neighborhood and my friends in Baltimore because 
when I became the number one player, I was already at Oak Hill. Mm -hmm. So I was away from it. I was away from mm -hmm. all the everything that you got to deal with. As opposed, if I was a number one player in Baltimore City, it's a shit show. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. <laughs> so you know, it, it worked out in my favor without me even knowing. It worked out in my favor to be at Oak Hill as mm -hmm. I was a number one player to just really focus on basketball. So by the time I got to Syracuse, basketball has already like I'm locked in at that okay. point of time. You know, okay. so that and then the LeBron conversation comes in at Oak Hill. So now I'm locked in, I'm focused. Only thing you can do is go to class and play basketball. That's it. That's it. Now, at this point, you and Brian, when did that relationship start? Did that start like through the years of Oak Hill or did that start after? Oak Hill. Okay. So I'm a senior, He's a he was a junior. Mm -hmm. And we met prior to that, like on USA Basketball, but it was just, you know, high and by. Was it a fuck you? you nah, it was, it was more like, nah, nah it wasn't like, fuck like you. Like fuck you. Nah, it was just more like, Damn, like I, 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 like I'm, I'm watching you. I see you. Like I hear about you. Okay. You ain't, you ain't see me because I was like kind of local. You okay. know what I mean? I ain't go nowhere. But you probably you heard about it. Okay. And back then it wasn't internet. It wasn't none of that shit. Yeah. So you had to get the scout report and you know all of that. The, I read about you. Yeah, I read about <laughs> you. So it was like, damn, I read about you too. Like I, I've been hearing about you, and we just connected, but we ain't follow up. Okay. And then we played each other uh, at Oak Hill in Jersey during All Star Weekend. I was in Philly. Huge game. Huge game. Huge. And, and, and that's when we met. We sat on, sat in the hotel, the lobby before the game. And it was just like two kids that was looking for something from each other. Mm -hmm. And we found it. You know, I, I think at my point, I was looking for a brother, somebody that I can come like, oh, I, in and, and that realm, in the basketball realm, mm -hmm. right, from somebody place and from another place. And he was looking for somebody like that. So it just, it was ironic how we both met coming together. It's like a movie, like we just coming together and we just meet at the, the top of the steps and we sit there for three hours and start talking about shit. Well, the crazy thing to me is like, you know, when you talk about the NBA, you talk about the entry to the NBA, there's no playbook, right? A lot of people don't understand, like you don't get a handbook and there's no like to-do list, what you're supposed to do with the money or how you're supposed to handle this success that is going to present itself. Like, you don't know. No, I didn't do. know at all. So who acted as the, the mentors no for you, right? Because <laughs> you, you're, right now, no you're one. off. You're, you get drafted, but you're not in, you're not in the city. You're not on the East Coast. You're not in, like, I'm a in familiar Denver. territory. You're in Denver. Yeah, I'm in right? Denver. You're so. in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. As a, as a new face and a, a fresh, a fresh rookie with so much potential, you're in Denver. Yeah. So you're operating as a nomad. You're by yourself at this point, like as far as guidance or anything. Nobody was there. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have, you know, you know, Bay. Yeah. Uh, I have Bay, who's been my my longtime, you know, basketball sports manager since I was 15, 16. He was there with me, and all my all my friends, we were the same age, so they was in college. Yeah. They was Norfolk State, Manhattan. DePaul, you know what I mean? Chalk College of Charleston. So we was all, our goal was to everybody get a scholarship and whoever gonna make it, we gonna make it. Yeah. We gonna figure it out. Yeah. And so I was in Denver, just me and Bay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you laughing because you know Bay. You understand? So we, we, I'm 19. I'm 19 in Denver. I'm just supposed to go, I'm, I'm supposed to get drafted by Detroit. So I'm thinking I'm going to Detroit. Yeah. Right? So my mind is, you know, I'm, I'm in the city of Detroit. Then I go to mountains and hills and greenery. I never seen as many trees, this much green a day in my life. How long did it take you to adapt? I got, <laughs> you know, after you get drafted, you go to the city, yeah. do the press conference. 
And I was out. I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm back. 24 hours, 48 hours, I'm back on Myrtle Avenue in Baltimore. <laughs> it was a culture shock. It was a culture shock for me. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I wasn't ready for it. He was right. I mean, look, this is the beauty of these conversations because a lot of people think that it's just, it's the golden nah. ticket, right? You get this contract, you get the opportunity, and oh my God, life is instantly great. But you got to remember, these guys are fucking young. They're young. They're walking into the NBA at 18, 19 years old. And then you're supposed to grow up overnight. And you're supposed to understand the basketball instantly becomes a business. It doesn't happen that way, does it? It doesn't happen that fast. It don't happen, it don't happen that way. I'm, I'm, I had teammates, even across the league at that time, 18, 19. Uh, you know, back then you could come out the league out of high school, right? So it's guys coming to training camp. Mom dropping them off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, yo, what the yeah. fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> yo, tell your mom she can't come to practice, man. Like, I'm, that's how I'm thinking, because that's how I grew up. Mom, though, we don't, I ain't coming to practice. Like, this is, this is what we got over here. And I started seeing that. I'm like, damn, like, maybe I'm missing something. Yeah. Maybe my mother need to come drop yeah. me off to practice. I'm, again, I'm 19. I'm living by myself, penthouse in Denver. I don't know what to do. It's just go play basketball and figure it out. At 19. So to your point, nobody is giving you the blueprint mm -hmm. once you get there. Mm -hmm. Once you get there, you got to start over. You know, I'm going to do a big skip, a big fast forward, man, because I don't want to just talk to you about basketball, right? I mean, a phenomenal basketball career. You have had a, a Hall of Famer. Um, you are, right? I mean, multiple all-star. I mean, you know, the, the accolades are, are endless that are attached to Carmelo Anthony's name. But now we're talking about life after, right? You get to now look at the game. You've retired from the game. And I want to know like what your point of view and takeaway from the game that you gave your life to is now. Like now that you sit on the outside and you've seen the game change so much, it's no longer the game that it was when you first started. The business is no longer the business that it was when you first started. Um, what is your now perception of the National Basketball Association, sitting in a chair that you're able to sit in now? It's like 2K. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I say that to say, I've seen the game change. For my listeners, 2K is the, the video NBA game. 2K. Yes, NBA know, 2K. The brand, I just wanted, you know, I didn't know what we Got you. We no, you're fine. Brand. Okay. Thank Open you. house here. Okay, thank you. I came in the game and I saw the game change three times, three to four times, the culture of the NBA, mm -hmm. right, to where it's it was heavy, Ground and pound, you know, half court, play through the big man, you know, take the shot when you, you know, just ground and pound, physical, hurt you, no layup rule, you know, don't care about you. Then it went to, it was like a shift almost when we can, you know, our generation, you know, the next young guns was coming up, myself, LeBron, D-Way. So it was that shift. We trying to make our way. And at 19, they throwing you a franchise and say, go, go put this franchise on your back figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, so I dealt with that, right? And then the game changed again. Now you got, there's no more guys coming out of high school. Um, contracts is, is different. Mm -hmm. 2005, the culture, NBA was having a kind of a identity crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, when I came in from 2002 to 06, 07, right? That was the identity crisis. So we was, I was a part of that game. And I was a major part of the identity crisis during that time. And then it went to the guards, right? So now when the guards come, what happens? Somebody get, somebody fall. The big man got to fall. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing the big men as like the running backs today, right? They just trying to make the game faster, mm -hmm. score 200 points, 
You know, it's no time for to wait for a big man to run down the court and post up. So the game has changed. And the business of basketball, I was able to see it from when the NBA, not even NBA, the players, the players union wasn't a business. Mm-hmm. We had to figure that out. We had to go get the, the big guns in there and say, look, we the business. You guys are the owners. Y'all, y'all giving us this money, but we got to be partners. Mm-hmm. We got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And y'all can't keep looking at us like, oh, you shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. Like, let's figure this out. How do we work together? How mm-hmm. do we build brands together? How do we invest together? How do we grow this game of basketball and this sport together? And that's where it became. So I've seen the game change three, four times from a business side. The money now is an indication of what we've been fighting for 15 years. Yeah, your, right? your words and your meetings has basically presented the key to this generation for yeah, these contracts fought. to amplify we was and fighting. become what they are. Absolutely. I mean, people don't know we was, them CBA agreements, like, got sticky in there. Yeah. With owners and commissioners and, you know, shit that I, you know, I don't really want to get into the details, but it, it got, if it got sticky. No, this is the part, this is the part of the game that people don't see. Yeah, they don't see right? that. And they, you know, CB, the CBA collective bargaining agreements, it's all negotiating, right? It's, they looking at you like, you our employer, right? You we pay you, so you go out there and you just shoot. And we looking at it like we filling the stands. We got fans, we got ticket sales, we got jerseys, and we get nothing from that. So let's figure that out. I know it's deeper than that, but it, let's figure that out. But fast forward to now, um, it's an indication of what we was able to do 10, 15 years ago and fighting for those, fighting for that. Well, I think one of the biggest compliments that's attached to your name and number is your level of professionalism, right? Like in through your career, the one thing that you never heard or saw was Carmelo Anthony bitching or complaining about the game, about the system, about the coaches, and having these internal conversations off the court, inside the meeting or boardrooms was one thing, but your presence on the court and in the locker room was another, right? Now I look at you and I know the businessman that you are. I look at the polished individual that you've become, and I can only think from my perception of the outside looking in, that prepared you for what you're doing now. I want to talk about the understanding and power of your likeness and how you're able to now use your likeness to get you into different rooms, different settings to create the business opportunities for the future, right? When did that click for you? When did the understanding click like, wow, Magic was able to build said thing? Kobe was able to build said thing. Brian is building said thing. I'm watching D build said thing. There's a number of other players. Those are just my immediate examples. But you're watching people in the game play the game while also play the game of business. When did that part click to you? More Gold Lines with Kevin Hart after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. 
My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Now more from Kevin Hart on Gold Mines. There's a number of other players. Those are just my immediate examples. But you're watching people in the game play the game while also play the game of business. Yeah. When did that part <clears throat> click to you? I would say um, like old eight, okay, old nine. And prior to that, I wasn't. I never was thinking business. Mm-hmm. Early on, I wasn't thinking business. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't understand it. I didn't want to understand it. I just wanted to play ball and be happy, and everybody that's with me going to enjoy this this ride with me. And it wasn't until, be honest, like when Obama became president, and I'm not using him, but during that time period was when I really was having, all right, Melo, what the fuck you going to do? Like, mm-hmm. you, you, you had this, you did this, you did that. Like, it's a lot of shit that you have going on. The NBA is looking at you like, you almost out of here, mm-hmm. right? So I had to make a decision on what I wanted to do. So I cut my hair. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm cutting my hair. Obama's time for change. He's giving me hope. Like, right, I'm going I'm to turn over a new leaf. And from that point, I started to really observe and see what was going on out there. The business was messed up around that time of the NBA. So I wasn't really missing nothing from the business aspect of it. We was locking out. It was just a lot of things going on. But by the time I started to, okay, I got to make this change or I'm, I'm going to be back on Myrtle Avenue, was probably 09, 10 when I said, if this ain't working to them, I want to get to New York. Mm-hmm. Because the New York was like, I knew in my mind what that was going to bring. I knew the pressure. That's what I thought. I knew, I I knew the pressure. I knew move. the pressure of New York, but mm-hmm. I wasn't tripping off of that. It was just more like I needed a change of scenery and I needed some energy behind me, like a city like New York. But to your point, I never said it. I never came out publicly and said, mm-hmm. trade me or get me out of here. It was always little pocket conversations and trying to figure out. At that point, I knew contracts. I knew who was up for it, renegotiation. I knew who they wasn't going to sign. I knew what numbers we was working with because I'm observing now. I'm getting all this information. And I was just like, I can't. I don't want to do it. I don't want to put you guys in that situation to where I'm going out there. I'm unhappy. You're not going to know I'm unhappy because I'm going to go play, but you know I'm unhappy mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So what are we going to do? Don't put me in that situation. And it worked out, and I got to New York, and the rest was history at that point. My plan was already in play going to New York, understanding what I was up against, understanding the opportunity 
that I can create mm-hmm. here and also turn over a new leaf. This was a new chapter for me. Why is it that black men associate cutting their hair with, with just getting different? It's really insane. Stress. It stress, really, stress. It really is insane. It's stress. Like, it's stress. When a black guy shows up with a low haircut, he's like, what you doing? He's like, I'm just different. But I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> what? No, it's not. I'm going to tell you what, though. I'm going to tell you why, though. For me, it was a little different. For me, it was a little different, man, because... I was going through a lot of shit. Like, I was going through a lot of shit, man. Fight in the garden, suspension 16 games, arguments with the committee. It was just like... He just showed up the next day. You know what? Do I look the same? (laughs) Obama gave me hope, man. He was just like, look. No, Melo, your hair's low. That's what I'm saying. I'm not the same. This is a new leaf. I'm a new man. It was hard, man. It was hard fighting. It was hard fighting for that. I can, I honestly can understand. It was hard fighting because it was like, are you? I can honestly understand and relate. Here's a, another great question. Great segue. By the way, what an amazing job I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, another, another thing that I want to say is like now, right? You got all this fucking information. There's so much power in information. That's the beauty of this podcast, right? How do I give information? How do you get information? Well, now you got all this fucking information. You know the business of basketball. You know how contracts work. You know life after basketball should be a thought that you're having while playing basketball. You know that the relationships that you build here now have to pay off and become better decisions and better opportunities for you there. Who are you giving this information to? Who is Carmelo Anthony taking a liking to in this younger generation and you say, hey, man, I want to sit down with you because I don't want you to take as long to figure out the things that I had to figure out in year 13, 14. I want you to have this now at the age 21, 22, 23. Who is the vet? Who has the fucking, <laughs> the man of Carmelo Anthony said, you are well-deserving of this blueprint in this playbook? My son. Oh, Wow. And I, I Shout out to that motherfucker. He just got tall overnight. I what know, the fuck happened? God damn, Keon. What the, he showed up one day, six four. What the fuck happened to you, man? He was shaking my hand, grown ass man. You want to play basketball? Fuck no, I don't want to play basketball with you. <laughs> that's amazing. That's my son, man, because he's that's the blueprint. That's amazing. Like, and you know, I try to be that to everybody though. Like information for me, knowledge. I try to give to everybody. Mm-hmm. This younger generation, they need it. They searching for it, which is why you see me. I'm around. I'm active, mm-hmm. talking to these guys. You'll see me more at high school games and, and those games than NBA games mm-hmm. because NBA, you already you think you got it figured out. You got 100 people around you, teams, whatever. That generation is who needs it the most mm-hmm. because it's, it's a lack of information that they get. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of connection that they have with the information, right? So now they get agents at a young age. NIL is is around. So I could sign somebody at 13, 14 years nice. old, right? So I was explaining this to my son. A company is offering you X amount of dollars to be the face of their company at 16 years old. That's a lot of fucking responsibility. Mm-hmm. I was 22 with the face of Jordan brand. Mm-hmm. Fucking it up, like yeah. Yeah. so. You know what I'm saying? So at six, and then seeing Mike the and next then day. Seeing Mike, hey, Mike, yeah, my bad, Mike. Yeah, yeah, this is bad. Fuck my bad. I cut my hair though, Mike. I cut my hair. The check is coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did cut my hair, Mike. See, but these kids don't. They don't. They don't. And I don't expect them to understand. Mm-hmm. It. It's impossible for them to understand. I don't even understand the nil fully. 
So I don't expect their parents to understand it. And I, and I definitely don't expect the young, the kid, the athlete to, to understand it. But I try to give my knowledge to all the kids, everybody who wants to receive it, because you can just be talking and people, you'll be a talking head to these kids. You know, well, these kids will tell you, stop preaching, like, quick. For my listeners that aren't aware of uh, the NIL that he's listening to or referring to, he's talking about name, image, and likeness, right? So there was a big fight for um, some type of reward for the use of these younger players' name, image, and likeness through college, through high school. There was product being developed, made video games being fucking developed, and these highlights and stars on it didn't receive a dime. Hence the conversations at the table. We got to change. So now these kids are able to give their name, image, and likeness up for certain deals. But to Melo's point, it's a lot of pressure that comes with that. You 16, 17 years old, and you got the responsibility of being a brand face to a company. Well, you haven't went to your prom yet. You haven't made a mistake. Yeah, you ain't did. You haven't done anything dumb yet. And it's very hard to tell people not to do dumb shit. Dumb shit's important. I'm the best father in the world when it comes to the understanding of dumb shit. And I say this humbly, not to get ridiculed after, but I remember me and my son had a conversation. He got a C. It was like a C minus, a C plus on the subject he was struggling, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, dang, man, I got a C minus a C plus. I gave him a high five. <laughs> he was like, what? I said, hey, man. That's your heart. I'm going to keep it real with you, son. <laughs> Sugar now, but your heart. I wasn't pulling that. I said, that can go on the fridge if you wanted to. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to underachieve, but I'm telling you, like, there is a reward to passing and doing the thing that you don't know how to do. If you figure it out to some degree, that's a reward. Mm -hmm. You're not going to figure it out at the highest level like everybody else does. Some people are going to figure it out a little slower. You got to be comfortable with living in the space and place of your personal reward. And I told my son, I said, you ain't going to school for me. You're going to school for you. I want you to be the best student you can, but you're not trying to follow what I did because what I did ain't shit. You don't want to see my grades. Because you're going to ask yourself, why the fuck did I get here? <laughs> How'd you do it, Dad? Because <laughs> on paper, it say you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> it say you're supposed to be in jail, Dad. I ain't on the fridge yeah. <laughs> These ain't on the fridge. Not, not on the fridge at all. But I bring that up as a point when he says, like, these younger kids are having the opportunity of a lifetime. But you can't just throw these kids this money and, and expect the fucking grace of God. You got to expect the way. Yeah, you, you have to. And I listen, I'm all for it. NIL, like give all the money out. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they deserve it, give it out. If mm-hmm. they make an impact, give the money out. They deserve it. Why not be paid for what you're actually out there creating and, and the impact that you actually have? I just think that there needs to be a lot more information Absolutely. that's out there because there's there's a lack of information that's out there when it, when it, when it comes to that in particular. When it comes to finance in general, you know, getting the money is one thing, but knowing what to do after you get it is another. Um, and I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest gap. That's the biggest pothole, right? And the financial literacy and space for it and the culture and how we don't obtain or don't know. It's not because we're ignorant. It's because it's not offered. We have to search and we have to find. Yeah. But so, we also not to cut you up. We talking about NIL. Right? Now we talking about 13, to 18, 19, to you at college, right? We're not talking about pros. So you getting money at 14, you getting kids. There's kids out there that's pulling up the campuses and Rolls Royces, yeah. Phantoms, Ferraris, 500,000 cash, like 
on college campus. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not going to. I'm not going to class with five hundred thousand no. dollars in my pocket with a Ferrari on Syracuse campus. No, I'm gonna be. Dead. I'm just not going. I'm gonna be dead. I'm gonna treat that like high school. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pulling up to the games and yeah. that's it. There's yeah. no classes, but the mindset of what that does for these kids. Because after that, my point is after that, you got to start all over. Yep. So now the brands just throw you to the side and they on to the next. Yeah. So yeah, I gave you 300,000, 400,000, but I don't want nothing to do with you no more. I'm on to the next wave. So just to bring it back full circle, who am I giving that information and that blueprint to? It's my son. How's he receiving it? He's receiving it. He understands it. Wow. He listens. I throw him a bone. Yo, this is, you working hard. Look, this is the opportunity that just came for you. Mm -hmm. We ain't gonna fuck with that one because for whatever reasons. I got my reasons why we go mm-hmm. forward. But we gonna rock with this because I know building brands and building relationships and building partnerships. And if I can create a relationship at 16 with these brands and move forward and create and build, then those are the people that I wanna be in business with. I don't wanna be in business with somebody that's gonna give, give you 50 grand just to come out there and do a post. And mm-hmm. then after that, you have no more affiliation with. There's no relationship. There's no relationship. Mm-hmm. So I try to give that information to him and he's receiving it. So that's the blueprint. And his, it's not my blueprint. It's the blueprint that worked. It worked. The basics for me worked. I can't give you everything that I did because I had to go get it a different way. I had to hit rock bottom, hit that dark spot, then work myself out of that. You 16, you, ain't, you don't have them worry. You don't, you don't pay no bills. You don't, you you don't have tax. You ain't got, yeah, you, you don't have to go to class. You complain about fifth period. And I, I think our... Like you, you have no issues. <laughs> you have no issues. I think Coco said the other day, right? Coco he called, got fifth period. I live with my moms. Like, I'm, I have no worries, right? You know, yeah. as, as far as what are you going to do? And this, I'm 19, I'm 18, 19. I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Our struggles point. came because we had no choice. We had no choice. Right? And And, you know... Not to our kids. It's not their fault. They're growing up in an environment where they have several choices because we worked our asses off to provide them. So we don't have ill will or malice towards them, but their struggles aren't the same. <laughs> no, right? They're no, not the same. Your hustle and your intake and want to hustle, it's just not the same. Yeah. Like you, There's options. You have options. We had no fucking options. No. It was this or nothing else. Like, that's it. Like, that was the game that we played. I will say this, though. What's a little, like, crazy for me is looking at my kids and now seeing myself in my kids. When I look at your son, I see you yeah. in your son. Like, I see I see the implementation of father and, and upbringing and, like, cadence. And you see it. Like, is that tripping you the fuck out? Especially in the place of basketball. It it is, it is, because it's it's like we. It's hard to say because he is my son, right? So we are. Even though somebody's your son, I don't mean y'all in sync. No, right? We are synchronized. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> he knows. If I go left, he got to pull me back right. Like, yeah. and if he go, it's tug of war. It's plug plug and play with us, and he knows that that I'm setting him up. Me and his mother is doing a great job at providing. The information for him, the we still got a parent. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's what the biggest miss. Cause you know the biggest thing people don't speak about is we still have to parent. Mm-hmm. My son is sixteen, a top forty kid in the country as a junior, getting all the deals. But we got a parent. Yeah. This shit that he still do. He's a kid. Yeah, you know that we can accept that, and we got to 
teach him through that. He's not a bad kid, but he make mistakes, and we got to correct that as a parent. So it's even hard speaking on him because it took me a while to be like, you know what, Kai? I got you, because I don't know if you want this shit, because I want to see if you're in the gym. I want to see if you're making your own schedule. I want to see how important this shit is. You want to go to the tournaments? I want to see this. And he started putting in the work and started coming, man. He's like, Dad, I'm ready. And at that point, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I've been ready for you to come to me, say that you're ready for the longest, so I can just give you everything that I have Mm -hmm. because I know you're ready to receive it. Well, Lala, I put up a clip of him. What's it called? Uh, Busting your ass. (laughs) What's it called? Yeah, yeah, what's it called? (laughs) What's it called? These kids do. Oh, that's right. Busting your your ass. Uh, (laughs) how, How are you receiving the fact that like, oh shit, like, I have to actually play him. It's fun. It's fun, man. It's You know what it is? The fun part is I get to train him like I'm playing against somebody that I'm going up against. Mm-hmm. And because he took that next step, he can receive that too. He can receive, right, I'm going to be physical shit with you because you got to deal with this, right? I'm not going to be NBA physical with you because I don't want to. My physicality is a lot different yeah, than you NBA hurt. guys. So yeah. I don't want to hurt you, but I want you to feel what this this forearm mm-hmm. is really like. Mm-hmm. Because if you really observe that video, oh, he it. felt like I made it. No, like, I watched and it I, several and times. I, I, I felt that form. I watched it several times. Yeah, I felt that form. So for yeah. so long, he would never like try to like play serious. He'd be laughing and joking and just throw up in his shot. But at that point, I said, ah, right, you got two, you got two points. And he scored. And I'm like, I saw him run out the gym and just the excitement and what he was. What I saw, I saw And I you. knew he felt like, fuck that. I, I yeah. beat my dad. Like, I don't yeah. care what nobody said. I beat my dad. Yeah, well, let me tell you what I saw before we just <laughs> get to the, you know, our final stage of the interview. What I saw, it didn't look like you were happy for him. <laughs> I, no, I, just knew, I knew what was coming with it. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I receive it the same way. The social media that. was coming with it. Well, I knew what was coming with it. Well, it looked like, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but it looked like you had slammed the basketball. No, you're wrong. You're right. Like, like, I don't know if you said, I don't know if your words was fuck or if it was something, but it was a, whatever. We're not here to, I'm not here to put a, you know, a bridge in between you and your son's relationship. I just hope that you can display a little more happiness the next time that happens. I want to go now to the final stages, right? Final stages of this interview, man. We're now, of course, we're in life after basketball. You're talking about your son. You're talking about fatherhood. You're talking about your excitement for giving him the information for him receiving. What are your wants now at this point in your life, at this point in your career? What does Carmelo Anthony want to do? What is your focus? Where are you at now? I'm, I'm all over the place in okay. the sense of I have my endeavors, my businesses that I'm, you know, I'm getting into and, and building and scaling now. But then it's like the one thing that allowed me to have those businesses is the sport. Mm-hmm. So how do I globalize the game of basketball? Not just here in the U.S., overseas, international, globally, um, I was just at World Cup, you know, and watching that and seeing the talent and where's that from around the rest of the world and comparable to the U.S. And it's right there. It's, it's no difference mm-hmm. now. So to me, the game has spread it around the world. So how do I continue to give the resources and make the impact and, and globalize this game from a standpoint where it all makes sense? Because right now, basketball is, is played multiple different ways mm-hmm. in different places around the world. But how do we come together and figure how the NBA work with EuroLeague and how the NBA work with FIBA and this and that and all these organizations out there in the world? 
for one cause, which is basketball. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I, I try to, like, that's my goal now, to, to have that impact from a global standpoint of globalization in the game of basketball. Uh, a lot of your charitable contributions and a lot of the work that you did, it went to you providing basketball courts and spaces. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like Puerto Rico, right? You were yeah. Doing, yeah, you were doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, so in we Puerto got Rico. thirteen we got my thirteen plus courts from New York down to Puerto Rico to South Africa. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Are, are you thinking about coaching? Is coaching possibly in your future? No. No. You say fuck them kids. <laughs> I know I know. Did you say that? Did I, I hear you no, say I fuck them kids? I love the kids. I love the kids. Oh, I thought like, you said I'm fuck like, them kids. I'll coach like I'll coach like I'll coach like my son and like a you know my son's team like a uh, if I was if I was to take a crew overseas I'll coach him. Okay, you're not dealing, but you're not dealing with the other. Not kid. put too much work into this game, and and into what I was able to do to be a coach. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to sit in the sideline. I don't want to be disrespected by a player. I don't want to. You wow. know, I don't have that. Okay. I don't have that patience. Their bodies change too. Right. And they, you know, and they, like they really let themselves go. The money. And I, I get it. I, I know I'm speaking from the other side now, yeah. but I, I was on that other. I was on that side where, you know, shit don't work out with a player and the coach. So I, I don't want to be in that position. I, I think I don't want to deal with the politics of the game. Got you. That's I don't want to see you with the high slack. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want pants that's like right up, yeah. right underneath your chest. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're never gonna see that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But you know what I mean? There's yeah. something, something yeah. weird happens when they start coaching. It's a switch. It's a real. It's yeah, a wardrobe I cut my change. Hair and they, there's yeah, a switch it's a them. really yeah. bad wardrobe change. Yeah, I'm cool on that. I caught J Kid out there one time with a really bad pair of slacks. <laughs> it like some, yeah, it was like a sketcher shoe. It was weird. And I was like, what the fuck happened to you? I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool on that. Yeah, he's like, Man, it's just long days. That's exactly. Like, oh, all right. <laughs> all, right. all right, I get it. I love it and I get it. Uh, Mellow Man, what I love is the opportunity, of course, to sit and talk to my brother, man. But more importantly, I love the fact that people get an opportunity to hear you speak in this manner, right? You're much bigger than the game of basketball. And the example that you now are, I hope you've realized, it's so needed for this younger generation. And your energy towards the game, towards those guys, and just being present and being vocal about the ups, the downs, et cetera, it's what our culture and what our generation needs. So I hope that you continue. I hope that you're adamant about doing that, not just for your son, but just in general, man. You are a dope fucking dude. You're a dope dude, and I'm, I'm honored to call you a friend and a brother. And I think what you've been able to build in the game and outside the game, it, it won't be duplicated, right? Like, you're going to be a conversation piece for years to come. A legend in the game you are, brother. And I'm very curious to see how you attach yourself to these future endeavors and business because I think it's going to mirror and match your space in basketball. Like, we're addicted to winning. We're addicted to success. That competitive nature does not die. It continues to live. So I want yours to live on, brother. And just for me, do this for me. Love your son after he, like, if he wins. Like, dude, give him a... I took uh, him out. I went well, to eat. I took him out. I, yeah. you know, well, I didn't see that on social media. You know, they don't show that. So, they yeah, they I, don't show yeah, that. I get it. I'm not that. saying... <laughs> I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just saying, for me, it would be nice to see you hug him after that. That's because a fact. That's all, the part the of the game. That's the, the part of the game that we need to see. I right? agree. Yeah. And I'm, like I said, I'm not here to put a, a wedge in between the relationship that you guys have. <laughs> okay? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Gold Mines. And you know what we do here. We get inside the minds of amazing people. And today, God damn it, was no different. 
what an amazing mind this was. This is the mind of Carmelo Anthony. Show him some love, guys. Thank you, man. Thank you. How good am I? That was good. Huh? That was good. Came a long like way, pump, man. Right? Look at me. I'm so polished. Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a Sirius XM and Laugh Out Loud radio production. Executively produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. Additional production from Elise Ellis and engineered by Marcus Hamm. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious, satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.